From the Omaha Bugle Global News Headquarters, this is the Global News Network with Senior Correspondent Jeff Weaver and Senior Correspondent Adam Von Romer. Good afternoon and welcome to the Omaha Bugle Global News Network, where myself, Jeff Weaver, and Adam Von Romer are here to discuss some rather important topics. Adam? I think you have something up your sleeve that you wanted to talk about, and I think I'll let you take the lead on it, and I'll just chime in. All right. Well, you and I have spoken on occasion about how people get disgruntled about the state of the nation, the state of the economy, (laughs) basically the state of everything. And you'll hear grumbling from different people in different states, different cities even, where they want to secede from a large entity. There's a talk in California, I think central California, which is to secede from the coastal parts of California. Well, my vote is just cut California off and let it drift out gently into the Pacific. Well, that would provide waterfront to Nevada, so they might be... um, Exactly. Think of the property values in Arizona on the west side. (laughs) I think this is something that once I started looking at a little bit more detail, I was surprised to find that we have a very long history of successionist movements in this country dating back to the founding of the country. Because there's always somebody (laughs) who's not happy with the state of affairs or the way the country is governed by the uh, existing government. Absolutely true. I just read a book called Break It Up, and it's about the secessionist movement in this country and literally starting at or before the actual founding of this nation. There were already you know, colonies and you know, groups that wanted to secede from the colonial aggregation. And I think Maine was one of them, if I recall correctly. They just said, you know what, we're done. Virginia's like, we're doing all the work here. We want out. And I believe that it took a major effort just to kind of, for lack of a better term, cobble those guys back together because of the animosities. It was over manufacturing. It was over the wealthy agrarian people in the South because they had a longer growing season and disproportionate representation and things like that. Yeah, it's nothing new, but it raises a lot of questions. Well, part of it probably stems from the way the country was originally set up, because as you'll recall, we did have something called the Articles of Confederation, whereby the states essentially came together in a federation that did not have a strong central government because they had been somewhat unhappy with the the way the English crown and essentially trampled over their rights and given rise to a little thing we call the Revolutionary War. Can't blame King George for that. Kind of out of his mind in many respects, though. (laughs) So I think what happened, particularly with a lot of the larger colonies, they were very jealous. I shouldn't say just the larger colonies. I think most of the colonies were very jealous of their autonomy, their independence, and so they had essentially agreed to come together in this Articles of Confederation, but That, again, was a federation in which there was not really much of a central authority. Mm -hmm. And it was just a dissatisfaction with that that led to, ultimately, the delegates to meet in Philadelphia on what I understand was a really unpleasant summer to throw together the Constitution that we all know today and which, of course, many people try to pretend does not exist. We might want to do a show on the Constitution. I think I have three copies of it right here. 
Let me say this about that. My boiled down ultimate reduction of thought is that the reason we had this aggregation of colonies was to provide for the mutual benefit of the colonies against things like the Spanish invading the country. The French coming down from the north and being, you know, a nuisance. So we get together for the common good of protecting all of the members. Some of the things that I think are kind of interesting about the secessionist movement. Well, number one, I don't think any state in the union, and I don't care who it is, could raise taxes high enough to provide for their own maintenance and operations of an interstate highway system or their own standing military. I mean, California, you know, obviously the guys that have guns with flowers sticking out of the ends of the barrels, but you got to think about the whole thing there. I mean, it was brought together to support the member states, for lack of a better term. Now, as you and I have discussed on many occasions, the federal government has become literally a political black hole into which inordinate amounts of money are poured on an annual basis and very little is put out other than in the self-preservationist vein to keep the they exist to exist kind of thing. They're just self-perpetuating autocracy. Well, let's sort of think about it a little bit. If you have a bunch of little states and everything and they're all operating in separate countries, well, then they've got to each maintain their own border guards, their own customs to duplicate so many things. They have to, as you were alluding to, they have to have their own militia or defense. You never know when North Dakota might try a sneak attack on South Dakota. So, you know, you've got to be vigilant. Well, you've got the Carolinas that are in that position, the line of demarcation between North and South Carolina, North and South Dakota, even Virginia and West Virginia. The West Virginia, Virginia issue is interesting because West Virginia, as you know, was carved out of Virginia during the middle of the Civil War because the West Virginians were pro-Union and the Virginians, of course, were... uh, not quite so pro-union. and yeah, They were a little uh, less happy with the union. A little less happy and uh, didn't help when uh, Richmond got burned down either. But anyways. You burn down somebody's capital city and imagine they get upset with you. I mean, that's yeah, just unreasonable. Well, people are just not really tolerant of opposing points of view as they used to be. But anyways, yeah. so you have these. Well, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, I can see. I can see, this is probably one of the reasons why we have to keep an eye on it, the Amish and Mass retaking Maryland. Ooh. Think about that. Been... Instead of 10,000 tanks lined up at the border, you'll have 10,000 horse and buggies loaded they, with... But they are very good craftsmen, though. That's something to be yes. considered. They'll have the world-famous Amish quilts and lots of shoe fly pie to sustain them. And I think there's more Amish than there are Marylanders, so... It may be a harrowing experience for them. So I, th- I guess uh, part of it, the argument is that you said there was a fear of invasion by European powers. Mm-hmm. That forced them to kind of have to bury their differences and look towards some kind of a union of sorts. And I think a number of people were also afraid of the consequences of just disunion, where they feared riots, they feared public unrest, they feared... I'm sorry. That sounds like Chicago on any given weekend. I mean, what are you talking about? Riots and civil unrest? Well, I mean, uh, that's Chicago this weekend. You have more gunfire in Chicago than you do. Uh, well, that's true. But you have that sort of dynamic 
forcing these uh, states to deal with each other. And then there's also sort of the economic argument that we've sort of highlighted in pieces, and that is you can do commerce more efficiently if you have a common currency and not well, having its own currency and having to essentially yes, I was going to ask that question next. I mean, what do you think they would use as a currency? I mean, would we keep the U.S. dollar after secession? Or would we start making exciting new currencies? And then, marketing back to another show, okay? But if you happen to go from Florida to Georgia and stopped in at one of those now unionized strip clubs, would they have a currency exchange booth there? You bring a deeply profound question, certainly. Or will the dancers take any currency and exchange it themselves? Well, or do you simply have to use something that everybody agrees is valuable, like gold? Well, there you have it. Bad enough that we are no longer on the gold standard and that we're all trotting around with a bunch of paper in our wallets and it's called fiat money. Now we're talking about something that isn't even a fiat. It's just zeros and ones that exist only in somebody's mind and in the cloud. I don't want to get down that slippery slope. No, but I mean, the one point's worth bringing up because digressing a little bit into the crypto thing, but people who push for crypto, who are kind of part of the crypto religion, sort of talk about other currencies being fiat currencies. But the thing is with a fiat currency, it's issued by a government that can compel people to pay taxes. Whereas crypto, it's like me just putting a J on a piece of paper, giving it to you and say, Adam, congratulations, that is the J cryptocurrency. And it's worth $10,000. Isn't that great? And you say, how about you know it's worth $10,000? I like that. I think we ought to start making cryptocurrency. We're going to call it Jeffries. <laughs> Jeffries could be denominated in 10,000 you know, increments. I think that's something worth considering. The most famous Jeffrey I can think of is that uh, former mascot for Toys R Us, Giraffe. Yeah, the only thing I was thinking about, we're digressing into crypto here, but I was going to say, we couldn't call it Jefferson's because that just seems way too pretentious. We have to have something hip. So I think Jeffries are a pretty good choice. But let's get back to this notion of secession. It's funny that the biggest move or moves that I've seen in recent times for secession are for the most socially uh, liberal of our country mates here. I heard movement in California. Well, I think we just should take a ditch witch and go right down the border, let it fill up, and then naturally float off into the Pacific Ocean. Had a conservative movement in, I believe it was Arizona, you know, saying, listen, if federal government's not going to protect our borders, we will. And if we're going to do that, we might as well be our own state. That was air quotes, by the way. Our own country, if you will, this is just to make the distinction. I think based on my limited time living in Arizona, and especially when I was living in Texas, you probably wouldn't need to form a militia. They're already there. They're just waiting. There's plenty of opportunity there to form up, protect the sovereignty of your borders. But I don't think it really gets thought through properly. I think you mentioned it earlier, knee-jerk reaction to something. And I think the root cause, and then I'm going to shut up, is this new notion that the new political ethos that it's all about me. Back when you and I were kids, we had politicians... Yeah, they got on TV and they hated each other's guts and questioned their sanity. And then at the end of the day, they all met at the Capitol Grill, had a couple of martinis and a steak, and got on with the business of state. You know, now we are in a situation where people absolutely positively refuse to do anything at all if it comes from the opposite side of the aisle. I think you're right on that. It's gotten so hyper-partisan. And, and you know, unfortunately, maybe that's been fueled by the social media movement, 
whereby all these essential echo chambers have been created, whereby people align <laughs> with people who think like them, and it reinforces their worldview. Whereas before, we didn't have uh, social media. We had three television channels, you know, the main networks, yep. and as opposed to the hundreds of choices that we have now. And so there were only certain viewpoints that kind of worked their way through, and that probably reinforced people's sense of country, nation, self, et cetera, because it was kind of homogenous as compared to the splintering that's occurred with what's happened with media. You know, you can find any group, any chat group that'll support any crazy movement that you want to get involved in. But the thing mm -hmm. I think that's of concern with the whole succession idea is that it, it really stems from two ways. The people on the far left, as has been historically the case, whether it was in Russia, China, et cetera, the people that took power, they did not enjoy popular support. They took power typically by these <laughs> force. And so there's the, on that end of the spectrum, there is this idea of wanting to control everything, wanting to control power. Mm -hmm. And you control power, you control money, you control assets. You see countries where national industries are doled out to the favorites of the oh, regime. Yeah. You've seen, seen that in Russia, for yeah. example. Other end of the spectrum, you have, the, you have what I would call the, the conservatives who, by and large, even though some may be uh, willing to take up arms at a moment's notice, most of them just want to be left alone, do their jobs, do work, pay their taxes, raise their kids, etc. But most of them simply are not interested in government, they, and they certainly are not interested in controlling other people. They have enough difficulty controlling their own family members, uh, let alone trying to form <laughs> Jeff, at some point in time, as I recall, you had five teenagers terracing around your house? Well, there, we had five kids. Fortunately, they were spread out more than that, so we didn't technically ever have five teenagers, but we kept reliving the teenage years over and over again. Like, oh, yeah. Episode. Oh, haven't we experienced this before? This. Well, I'm convinced, I'm getting a little off uh, the field here, but I'm convinced that what happened in my family was that when my daughter turned 13, Aliens actually abducted her and put a reprehensible, attitudinal, reasonable facsimile in her place. I don't know whether it was for recording purposes or what. And then when she turned 20, they came and got her back. Thank God. Yeah. We were actually pretty lucky. All the kids had their moments, but we were spared probably the worst of what a lot of people go through. But, mm -hmm. but what I was getting to, though, was the idea that People who want to be left alone, who are not interested in being controlled by other people and everything, their thoughts is, why don't I just secede? And leaving aside all the logistical and financial issues of running your own state, your own country that we talked about earlier, mm -hmm. the concern that I would have is that ideology that you're trying to get away from, which many people view as a failed ideology, this idea of in the far left that uh, they basically control everything you're not going to be able to get away from it forever because they'll run the states they control into the ground and then they will come to your state because your states are successful and then run Aren't your we already, states into the ground. Yeah, we already seeing that with the exfiltration from California and New York. I mean, I think there's probably more New Yorkers living in Florida now than they're living in New York. And they brought that left-wing, liberal, democratic sensibility, the Ocasio-Cortez mentality here. And let's go to the Midwest and see how that dog hunts. You know what I mean? You go to Iowa or Indiana or Illinois and get out there where the guys were working in steel plants or 
farming for a living and stuff and, and see how anxious they are to secede. But back to your point earlier, I think everybody almost without fail, I understand there's going to be some exceptions to this, but they want to make a good living. They want to provide for their families. They want their kids generally to have it better than they had. And they want to be left alone. And I agree with you that if you leave them alone, then the people who've destroyed their state will come over and go, look, the grass is greener over there. And the next thing you know, you got a bunch of people that are looking for support and whatnot. And you're starting back in that cycle. Well, here's an interesting thought. And I kind of been worried about that, too. But what I'm hopeful about, and in Florida, at least, I think Republican registrations outnumber Democrats as registered voters for like the first time in maybe forever. And what I'm kind of getting to is maybe the people who come here from New York, and we're broadcasting from Florida today, who come here from New York or California, whatever, they've recognized the failings of those states. And maybe that has caused at least some of them to conclude, hey, maybe the people I was voting for, the policies I thought was such a great idea, were not so great. And maybe I've learned something from that. Now, that's being optimistic. Sometimes <laughs> people are... Uh, very reluctant to consider that. I think you, sir, are a little bit more optimistic than I am. I don't see that at all. What I see is just more of that same thing. And it's almost the pervasive, it's all about me attitude, especially when it comes to politics. I have this mistaken notion, and I probably a quaint notion, that people should be getting into politics or our leaders should be looking to make decisions that don't benefit them personally, and maybe don't benefit their constituency that much, but that benefit the country as a whole. I know that's radical, but you think about this, it's like, okay, well, if you take the secessionist route, you know, yank a state out or yank, everybody goes their own way. That's just like low-hanging fruit. Next thing you know, we'll be, not that we already aren't invaded by bikini hammock or uh, banana hammock wearing Canadians, We'll be up to our eyeballs in Quebecois in no time at all. Let's face it. How far is Detroit from Canada? You know what I mean? It's practically in Canada. And I think it's Binghamton, New York. But I mean, you're talking about, okay, you, you can see your neighbor in Canada and wave at him. One, one of the things you and I have alluded to is the issue of border control and people coming here. And a specter had been raised that, well, what if all these people who were coming here wanted to owed their allegiance to, say, Mexico or whatever, and or uh -huh. you know, whatever, Central American state. And so the, the thought was, in some quarters, well, that might be a potential source of secession or disunity or whatever. But it seems to be, from the surveys and the polls I've seen, that these people were so disgusted with how corrupt, how crime-ridden their countries were, they had... The last thing they wanted to do was to realign with these countries <laughs> that they had fled out of. And in many cases, they've been robbed, put in jail, etc. They're economic migrants, and that's the long and the short of it. But mm -hmm. they're not exactly rushing to readopt a failed model of these uh, little semi-dictatorship type countries. Coming here for the better life you mentioned, which is kind of what everybody else comes here for, is uh, do it better by their children than they were able to experience Semi-dictatorial, huh? Well, that, that might be a new word. Um, maybe we can I, I like market that. or something. You know, it's like, uh, like, it's like transitory inflation. I was just going to say banana republic, but there you have it. It's like I say about the First Amendment. If you don't like what we say, don't listen. It's that simple.
You don't have to agree with everything we say. You don't have to like what we say, but it's up to you. You can change the channel. Let me go one step further because this whole aspect of secession and trying to separate yourself from what you don't like that's going on, and you and I already talked about the question of, okay, if you're doing great, you're the Switzerland of the Midwest, you pulled out, everybody else wants <laughs> to be in the Switzerland of the Midwest, and they start coming there, they have different political views, maybe they want to redistribute the wealth that your uh, famous watchmakers have uh, studiously built up, and so you find that over time, the country that you thought you had, the new country that you thought you had, starts to kind of go the other way and uh, is not so special, not so wealthy. And so it seems it looks to me like the old company had just fled. So it seems to me the secession thing becomes kind of a way in which you sort of put a target on your own back as to how you will be able to continue whatever lifestyle, whatever way mm -hmm. of life that you have. The long and the short of it is you really have to take the opposite view and say, look, we're going to fix this mess that exists in the whole country. We're not going to pull the country apart. It's going to be little bits and pieces that will not function in any At efficient all. way. The wealth will then the individual wealth will drop through the floor because there's no economy of scale with transport, right. with money, national defense is fragmented. So I think you have to say succession is the worst idea, even though we understand why you want to get away from the Nimrods that run your state government or your <laughs> national government. But what you have the to Nimrod. do, well, that's our word for the day. We're not going to see what we need to do is we need to put an end to that political theology that is mm -hmm. causing this country to be degraded. So, and uh, that doesn't mean you have to go kill anybody, but it just means that you have to engage in the battle of ideas, which by itself mm -hmm. would be fine. The problem, of course, as we know, is that much of the mainstream media is aligned mm -hmm. with certain interest groups that try to shut down opposing points of view or fact-based views, and they just <laughs> propagate certain worldviews that suit them. That's I just had another right. frightening thought. Now, let's just say that some of these, some of our fellow countrymen move forward with the notion of secession. Okay, now there's a little problem that immediately pops into my mind, and I'm not even going to take credit for this. I think you had brought this up earlier. What happens to the nuclear silos and missiles in, we think it's North Dakota? I think it may be North Dakota. And I think there might be some in Montana. Now we have a nuclear power on our back door. And at that point in time, what's to prevent North Dakota from shaking down a number of other states? and forcing them under the nuclear umbrella, if you will, of North Dakota. The jackboot of North Dakota politics, huh? Exactly. And isn't that where Jesse Ventura is? I don't know. I think he's in North Dakota. Are they putting but, him yeah, on exactly. Mount Rushmore? Or is that Mount Rushmore? <laughs> yeah, I believe it's South Dakota. There might be yeah. room for him on the face there next to George Washington or one of the other ones. Well, I'm thinking he looks enough like Thomas Jefferson. You get out there with a little bit of chisel and hammer, and voila, Jesse Ventura in the middle of all of them. Yeah, I don't think they put Jesse Jackson or even Michael Jackson on Mount Rushmore yet. If you want a Michael Jackson, all you got to do is go over there and knock the nose off. That's why I thank you for not mentioning our address of our secret underground bunker when you said we're broadcasting from Florida. But you know what? It is that time when we have to turn our attention to wrapping up and you want to tease the next show about the hgtv of america 
Before we go, Adam, I think we do have to acknowledge our newest sponsor, Sherwin-Williams, the paint company that covers the world with nice colored paint. And they have multiple colors. They have bright hues. They can do anything with any interior or exterior that uh, your heart desires. I would like to point out they have their new Africana line of white colors. Well, also remember one of the things that Sherwin-Williams famous for is durability and washability. So if you get a little stain or whatnot, you can gently use a sponge to clean off that Sherwin-Williams durable paint. Well, I do want to tell you about their new line of body paints, which is a whole new market that they're getting into. And this is for couples who really don't want to talk to each other and need something to do when the cable goes out. So (laughs) we we encourage our listeners to go try all of the Sherwin-Williams products. They're great. Well, Mr. Weaver, that's our time. Let's meet up in the next uh, session. Which I believe we are going to be talking about how the flipping craze in America has led to one writer in Atlantic Magazine is called the HGTVing of America. Thank you. Thank you. It was tough to get that one out, too. All right, Mr. Weaver, see you in the next session.